Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This uh, second Sunday of the Easter season uh, is not as packed as last week, and that's okay. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, we are still hearing God's word, and we still know that Christ is risen. We know from our text today that uh, this is a really great text for this first Sunday after Easter, uh, because we hear about what happened the first Sunday after the day when Christ rose from the dead. Already, um, actually, it's talking about the day when he rose, the evening of that day, when Jesus comes to his, his, to his disciples who are locked away in a room for fear of the Jews. And he comes and he says, peace be with you. And then about a week later, he comes to them again when the one who was conspicuously missing, Thomas, is there again. And he says the same thing, peace be with you. That in this time after the resurrection of Christ, there was still a lot of fear and foreboding, a lot of um, faithlessness in some way, a lot of disbelief. Um, and I don't know if we should be very soft on the disciples or on Thomas for what happens here. Um, the disciples are locked away for fear of the Jews, that they will be treated the same way that Jesus was. And in John's gospel, we hear that, that um, Peter and John have both run to the tomb and have seen it empty. And Mary Magdalene has said, I have seen Jesus, and yet they are still locked away for fear. And Jesus does not come and do what we might do and say, shame on you. Where were you? Why weren't you there when I was dying and, and suffering and horrible things? And you know what? I said the kingdom was for you, but no longer. It's not for you anymore. No. Jesus comes and he says, peace. Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And in this, when he says, peace be with you, um, a lot of people think, and I like to think, that this is the rabbinical shalom, that when a rabbi comes and says, peace, he holds out his hands as a blessing. He says, peace, peace be with you. And it just so happens that when Jesus comes and he says, peace be with you, in the same way and in the same time, he is showing them his hands. He says, that's where your peace is found, in my hands and in my side. My peace is found in my blood that is shed for you. And not only that, he goes even further. And he says, as he, and it says, when he says this, oh yeah, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you my apostles, to go and proclaim this peace to all people. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of, excuse me, if you forgive the sins, excuse me, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. That in this way, he gives a gift that keeps on going throughout time until his coming again. That his church, through the pastors, through the men called to serve, he gives his church the absolution that when you gather and you confess your sin and you hear that your sins are that that your sins are forgiven in the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ, you know that that is true. This is for you. It is for all people. It is for all who would believe and know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And yet there are many people who do not believe this. There are many people who are conspicuously absent from church nowadays who once were in church but are no longer and they may have their reasons and you know i'm not going to pick on anybody who was here last week and has been here all throughout lent and just so happens not to be here today that's not who i'm talking about i'm talking about those who had been here or at, at a church for a considerable amount of time and then for a considerable amount of time have been conspicuously absent and that may be for fear, that may be for any number of reasons. And the point is, is that we should not be too harsh, but also not too soft on them. Because I think the temptation when we read this account of Thomas, well, we first of all call him Doubting Thomas. And... We chastise him on some level for saying it's a horrible thing for him to tempt God in the way that he did. To say, unless I see, unless I see his hands and I see his side, I will never believe. But sometimes we say, well, maybe that's just what he needed. And maybe that's what some people need. They need something special. They need something more. But unfortunately for them, that's not what God offers. God offers things in a plain sense. He offers his word and his truth through these means that aren't perfect. He has sent you a pastor who has a speech impediment. He has sent you a sinner to preach to you. And so nothing in this world is perfect. Nothing in this church is perfect except for the word of God and the blessed sacraments that he has given to us to sustain us and to comfort us and strengthen us in our faith. That in these things he comes and he says, peace be with you. In his word, in his sacrament, in his baptism, in his body and his blood, in the absolution, he comes and he says, peace be with you. And if there is someone that is 
not here conspicuously, who has not been here for a long time, then it is our duty as Christians to go to them as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, come back, come and see again what Christ has done for you. Come and hear what he does in his body and his blood. Come and hear how the Spirit testifies to the water and to the blood. Come and hear about how salvation has been won for you, how peace is for you, so that you would know comfort and joy in Christ. We live in a world where people want all kinds of proofs for things. We no longer really believe in miracles or in, in things that God does for us. Um, and I think we're worse off for it. But thankfully, for those of us who are gathered here today, I know that when you hear God's word and you say, my Lord and my God, I Trust that you do mean it. That when I say that Christ, that, excuse me, when I say that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That's not just to keep you awake, but that is to hear that you truly believe that Christ is risen from the dead and he has defeated death, that death no longer has dominion over him and you. That when you say, my Lord and my God, you mean it. And Jesus says to Thomas, when he makes this great confession, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you when you don't need to see Christ risen, when you don't need to see the nail prints in his hands and the and the spear mark from his side, that you know that he has risen from the dead, that you know because you don't have to see with your eyes, but you see with your ears, that God has granted you that special gift of faith. And that faith, as St. John says to us from our second text today, that faith that God has given you is the victory that has overcome the world. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has been given to you as a free gift of that Holy Spirit, that faith which points to Christ through all things, through joys, through hardships, through calamities, through concord and peace. In all things, it points to Christ and says, my Lord and my God. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have, and yet have, and yet have believed. Blessed are you when you hear the words that are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Blessed are you as you come today to be given his body and his blood as a testament for his death and his resurrection from the grave, that you receive these things to be strengthened in faith toward him and in fervent love toward one another.
Blessed are you when you hear and see. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.